Tune out with Nevia by Moen, the spa shower that offers double the coverage using about half the water, making it look, sound, and feel totally different. Learn more at moen.com slash Nevia. Hi, it's Jerry the King Lawler, and you're tuned in to the Don Tony and Kevin Castle Show. I don't know why you are, but you are. Some guy. These men have changed broadcasting forever. The Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle Show. Oh, yeah, you know, just, uh, oh, no, I can't afford Skype. I don't know, the, the, the baseball analogy. I don't know. Come on, you thinking? Well, Yaki I don't speak Japan, and you fing people. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, you, DT. What do you think about that, Kev? Oh, well, uh, Batista's pretty fucking sexy. And, uh, did I mention Roman Reigns gives me a boner? And, uh, yeah, um, uh, 1980s baseball and wrestling was better than anything else. <laughs> Dontony.com. It's the big show. It's amazing, man. There was so many people online that were convinced that Tyson Fury was going to come out and challenge Drew McIntyre tonight. Eh, Maybe a little bit of premature ejaculation, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. It is Monday night, April 6th, 2020. This is the Don Tony and Kevin Castle Show. I am Don Tony. As always, we are 24 hours removed from the second half of WrestleMania. Uh, But I'm not alone. Joining with me, as always, is... Kev Castle. What's up, TT? Not bad. Not bad. I'll be honest with you. I'm tired as a mofo. Um... You know, crazy weekend. Kind of thankful that they did divide WrestleMania up into two nights. I mean, I know a lot of people made fun of the, you know, too big for one night. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, I think we're kind of appreciative that we only got three hours plus each night. I mean, why did people complain? You wanted the six and a half, seven hours? Is that what you wanted? I think. This worked out pretty good, especially since we're all home doing nothing. So we spread it out. It's it's kind of like, you know, having average sex, but instead of like being one and done, you know, you take a little bit extra time. I really had no problem with it, but uh, you know, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We'll talk about Raw tonight, a couple of tidbits coming out of Mania. Maybe some afterthoughts of what we discussed yesterday. And um, you want to nip this kill across Nia Jack stuff that in the bud from yesterday? Because you had um, mentioned it yesterday. And, uh, you know, I, I went on social media after and, you know, dug around a little bit. And before we went live tonight, you and I pretty much came to the same conclusion. But there is a little tidbit that I definitely want to show everybody. Um, 
But first, let's clear up the whole thing with Nia Jackson, Killer Cross. And then I want to address a lot of people trying to say that Liv Morgan is a Scarlet Bordeaux ripoff with her outfit. Because it's something I definitely need to bring up. But um, tell everybody basically what went down yesterday and what the, what the end result was. Well, I'll just, I'll just say this. I won't get into the whole thing of what Cross uh, wrote to me, but because uh, I had wrote something to Nia Jackson, I wasn't trying to get a reaction. I mean, I was kind of surprised I didn't get my ass handed to me by the Nia Nation, but um, actually nothing really came of it. I mean, I basically, she had told Cross to sit down and, and, you know, shut the F up or whatever, and then some guy chimed in and said a developmental talent shouldn't be uh, talking down to uh, major roster stars. I was just like, what the fuck is this? Uh, you know, a bunch of Nye fans jumped on Cross to asking who he was, like, who are you? And Cross said nothing. He was basically, someone had mentioned that uh, Liv Morgan's outfit was similar to Scarlett's, which Scarlett is his real-life girlfriend, as you know. She will be in, involved in the Angus secret of his uh, soon-to-be debut. We've seen tidbits of it, of the Gargano uh, Champa thing. You know, Cross is going to be involved in that. We've seen the, the snippets. It's not a secret. And Scarlett's his girlfriend, not a secret. Uh, he took up, uh, basically, uh, a couple of fans were, were saying the similarities and were hitting up Cross. Cross is very known to interact with his fans. Uh, he, he, he will write you back. He will, you will say something to him. He will say thank you. He's that type of guy. I don't think he'll change even when he becomes a right. star. Okay. And he defended, uh, he wasn't even defending. I don't even no, know. No, so you know, the, the, and, and I don't even think yeah. Nia Jax really went after him that hard because really what happened was, you know, a fan asked him, said, you know, basically, you know, it, is Liv, why is she trying to look like Scarlet? That right. was the person's tweet. Why is she trying to look like Scarlet? And, and Killer Cross's simple answer was, great question. Nia right. Jax responded and she said, you better take... Uh, a, a fucking, fucking well, she censored yeah. it, but a fucking seat real quick, dude. Um, now, I I just want to interject a little bit here because, you know, you and I didn't talk until literally seconds before we started tonight. No. And when I saw basically what went down online, you know, I looked at Liv Morgan's outfit and I looked at Scarlett Bordeaux's outfit. And, you know, this is just my take on it, and I'm not taking anybody's sides. I'm just giving my overall thoughts on it, all right? You cannot, just because fans are interactive, you can't acknowledge things that just aren't true. Because if anybody does a simple Google image search, I'll give you one woman right, one woman right off the bat that wore the same fucking outfit for a very long time. And that was Oksana. There are other women on the indie circuit that, and this is just my opinion, there are other in, women on the indie circuit that wear almost the identical thing. Now, for those that have the um, privilege of seeing this show via video, what I just posted right now is actually a photo of Liv Morgan's outfit from uh, Mania. And on the left of it is a screenshot of a WWE fan who actually draws outfits for a living. And right. he submitted this artwork to Liv Morgan a couple of months ago as an outfit idea. And she loved it, gave it to WWE. They approved it and they made the outfit exactly the way this fan drew up. 
So it wasn't a ripoff of Scarlet Bodo. This was actually a fan's artwork. And here's the thing that I say for all of these fans that want to create Twitter controversy. And that, this was totally unfair to Killer Cross, by the way. It was. It was you know, it was. and he's he sometimes I think he's guilty of being too friendly with fans. But here's the thing. And this is something I have to stress. Scarlet Bordeaux has not debuted on NXT yet. We don't even know what kind of outfits she is going to wear in NXT. Chances are it's going to be similar. But the thing is, the one time that we saw her when they did this segment outside on an episode of NXT, she was wearing a totally different outfit. Sure, she wasn't dressed to wrestle. But the thing is, is that, you know, she didn't invent that black leather look. There are other women that wear it. And just because ignorant wrestling fans just only focus on WWE and nothing else, you know, this is why people just can't feed into that. And, you know, I'm glad that there was more miscommunication than anything else between Nia Jax and Killer Cross. But, you know, this is the result of ignorant wrestling fans who keep their focus just on one promotion and they see someone wearing it. My God, Mandy Rose came close to wearing almost the same stuff early on with the black leather. Anybody goes back to Paige. Paige used to wear black leather, like almost like a one piece with the fishnet hose. But it's not anything new. But you got fans online that start these Twitter wars and then they come to, it's like they start the fire and they're like, hey, man, I'm here. You know, let me grab a hose to put it out. And meanwhile, they're the ones that started the fucking fire. Yeah, he didn't start the fire. No, no, no. no, no Billy Joe did. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, Killer Cross didn't start it either. I mean, he's just interactive. But I'm just saying, like, these ignorant, naive fans online that, you know, don't know anything else, you got to resist the urge and just stay away from, from these people. So that's why I always rip social media. Not everything is bad, but usually bad things come out of dumb shit. It's dumb shit. It's yeah, but- it, was, it, was, it was. You're right. He might be guilty of that. And, and I, I chatted with Cross in private, and he said it was uh, an overreaction of a lighthearted comment regarding yeah. a lighthearted... He said regarding a lighthearted situation. I'm quoting yeah. him. And he said, uh, completely ignored it. He didn't play into it or fire back at Nia Jax. And as far as he's concerned, it's a dead issue. Thank you, Scott. Um, you know, speaking of Nia Jax, she, uh, right. you know, the night after WrestleMania, they were hyping up all night tonight. It's so unpredictable. My God, Apollo Crews, you know, those draft picks were running out. So they... Put Apollo Crews on Raw, and Nia Jax makes her return. She squashes Deanna Prosser. Before we comment on Nia Jax tonight, mm-hmm. look, I'm not saying it's bragging, but if anybody listened to our recap of WrestleMania yesterday, number one, we told everyone that they were going to just show still shots of most of the matches. They were going to show a teaser of Undertaker, AJ Styles. They're going to make you subscribe to the network or buy the pay-per-view if you want to watch the whole fucking thing right now. I told everybody we were going to get that six-person intergender tag team match. Um, but I'll tell you, the thing that surprised the shit out of me tonight. And I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. We had like 10 matches tonight on Raw. 
with yeah. fucking crowds. We don't even get five sometimes. We got 10 matches, I think at least 10 on Raw tonight. Was it 10? I think it was 10. I have I have my counter right in front of me, and it was, I'll tell you right now, it was 10. 10, really? Ty Dillinger, 10, 10, 10, 10. 10 matches on Raw tonight. 10 matches. But what'd you think of Nia Jax making a return and uh, squashing Deanna Perrazzo? Uh, I thought it was, I, I like Deanna Perrazzo. I'm sorry that she's enhancement talent pretty much because every time I see her, she's getting, she's losing, but that doesn't mean anything. They can always, you know, do something with her later. But she's been here for a while now. So I was more interested in her. Uh, I'm a big Deanna, uh, Deanna Perrazzo person, but Nia Jax, eh, she looks the same. I, I thought she would have lost weight or changed the gimmick or she looks the same to me. Did she? She got um, narrower. See, see, the funny thing is, is that me, Right now, I'm down to 248. And, right. you know, I, I say to my fiance, I'm like, look, be straight out with me and honest with me. And unfortunately, we are, we're too much alike. And she's very brutal, brutally honest with me, just like I'm brutally honest back. And uh, it gets my mouth into trouble even in online wrestling stuff. But uh, I said to I said, honey, I said, do, do I look 248? Because, you know, this time last year at, a, at Lucky 13, I was 60 pounds heavier. And she's you, like, you were 60 pounds heavier? In that yeah, I was, th uh, I was 305. You didn't even look that. Yeah, well, it's because I was wider. Last year, I was almost a 42 waist. Now, I just, now I'm in 36 jeans, but... The thing is, is that, and I'm not saying to spray, I'm just saying, like, I asked her the other day, I'm like, do I look 248? Because I still feel 300. And on the, the the charity show, the mission I did two Fridays ago, um, I posted the photo finally when I was 365. But the thing is, is that she said to me, she goes, you still got your stomach. She's like, you still, and I look in the mirror and I think if I lost my stomach, I would be probably 200 pounds. What happened was, is that I got narrower. You know, so I still got the pasta belly, but that's the same thing with Nia Jax. Nia Jax, her legs got a little bit thinner. Her, you know, her width got a little bit less. You know, it's not... And her face, if you actually look at her face from two, three years ago, she actually lost a little bit in the face, too. Yeah, I wasn't taking a shot at her or anything. No, 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 I, no, I know she, you are. She looks, she, looks, she looks the same. She's a, she's a, she's a good-looking woman, but I just don't like her personality. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. she was she was okay. I mean, she's you know she's the female wrecking machine. I mean, again, she did what I thought she would do. You know, Deanna didn't even get any offense in. I was a little surprised, but she, I guess she she's supposed to squash girls now coming back. And we were talking about yesterday, DT, who's an opponent for Becky? I guess we're looking at her, aren't we? Yeah, I was just gonna get to that. I'm wondering if uh, Nia Jax gets thrown into the equation quickly because remember, who is the one? That created technically the man who busted up Becky Lynch to make her bloody. That's right. Two years later, gets yeah, yeah. It seems like uh, uh, the man uh, timing. Yeah, but DT, the timing is just it worked out, but it probably yeah. didn't work out that way on purpose. No, you know what I mean. That's because yeah. Nia was out for almost a year because of the two, yeah. the two talk. Look, I'm glad she's back. She's not bad. If anybody remembers, you know, I still think back to her work with, I think it was Ronda Rousey that I said, I think it was the best match of Nia Jax's career. Um, you know, she's not bad in the ring. I agree with you. She's got a little bit of a, of an attitude problem on social media. She'll jump the gun, definitely yeah. jump the gun sometimes, but 
you know, I'm glad that she's back because the one thing, even when I made my uh, rants Friday about WrestleMania and I got into why I really felt Charlotte needed to win the NXT championship just to have a different caliber of uh, crop of opponents for her. Same thing for Becky Lynch. You know, uh, Shayna Baszler rematch is all nice and everything, but then what? You know, Bianca Belair... I don't know if fans really would want to see Bianca Belair and, and the man this early because it feels like they are not looking to take this title off of the man anytime soon. Yeah. No, you I know? mean, it's listen, it's the the perfect opponent because they have unfinished business and they could ride this out for a while. Again, we don't know in live shows ago or even tapings are going to uh, resume. DT, they're good with tapings up till next week from what I heard, the 15th. Well, I'll tell you. Um, you know, they, they burned through 10 matches today yeah, and, you know, one match was almost a half an hour, which, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but a lot of these matches were three minutes, two minutes, four minutes, you know, the opening tag match, if anybody remembers our recap yesterday, I said, it looked like the street profits Garza and theory ended abruptly at WrestleMania so they have some uh, energy left over to have a rematch on Raw. And, you know, not only did we get one rematch, we got, we've had Austin Theory and Garza take on the Street Profits, if I'm correct now, is this four fucking times in less than two weeks? Because we had last week, WrestleMania, Opening match tonight, and then the the mixed tag, four times in what one week, something like that. Yeah, yeah, four times in one week. I mean, you know, that's a thin roster and everything. And look, God bless these guys to have multiple matches in them to wrestle in the same night. But you know, you do a four minute match. You know, it's kind of like when you have usually like a Royal Rumble, like somebody will wrestle very early in the night and then you know that that person is going to wrestle again later on in the night or be in a Royal Rumble or something like that. So this is similar where you'll have some people wrestle and then maybe take an hour or two break and then they go back and they wrestle a little bit more. So, um, you know, the thing is, is we don't know how many days that they they taped multiple hours of just matches. The one thing that I noticed tonight that I can't believe I didn't notice last week, unless maybe it didn't happen last week. I don't know if you saw what I wrote, but people were laughing their ass off because nobody picked up on this. I even did a search on social media before I even wrote it to see if anybody else caught on this. If you want to have a really good laugh tonight, Go back and watch Roar again, but only focus on the the, the commentator's table. I mean, if you, anybody that does, you know, like podcasting with mics and stuff like that, they know what reverb is and echo, and that's the reason why almost every podcaster that does video has headsets on. Because what they're afraid of is if they have their audio, right now I'm talking, and my audio is coming out through a speaker on my side. Now, if that audio from that speaker 
creeps into my microphone, that's where you get echo, you get reverb, because I'm talking, and at the same time, the audio is coming out of the speaker back into the microphone. So it makes sense why they did what they did tonight. But for those that didn't realize it, Tom Phillips and Byron Saxton were not, that commentary was not done in the arena. And it was hilarious because if you look at Phillips and Saxton, especially during the opening match with with the Street Profits, they're loud, they're energetic, and you look at the commentator's booth and they look like cardboard cutouts. They would just be like this the whole night. They would just be looking down the whole night. You would hear like Tom Phillips go, oh! And then, but meanwhile, he's like, you see one point, point he's almost picking his nose. He's looking at papers. They weren't even doing commentary. They were just sitting at the table. Whenever they were appearing during Raw, they were just sitting at the table. They were not doing live commentary. Now, I about, saw that. I noticed that, actually, during a couple of the matches. It was hilarious because you you listen to Phillips and Saxton being all energetic and all this stuff, and then you, you're looking at the commentator's table at the same time, and th- there were, like, minutes upon minutes where they did not move. Their lips didn't move. Their heads didn't move. Nothing. And it was visible. You see, you hear them talking, and you're looking at their faces, and their, their lips aren't moving. It was funny. Um, and th- another thing, but let me also say... It makes sense because if anybody goes back, because I watched Mania again. I watched last night again because I wanted to see the Cena-Wyatt match. If you go back and you look at when Sasha Banks was eliminated, listen very closely in the background. You actually hear commentate, something with commentating actually recapping that Sasha Banks got. I think it was Sasha that got eliminated. And what it was was they had some commentating live there and it was so loud that it, it, the it was echoing throughout the building and it didn't match what you were hearing so right. if phillips and saxton were in the building when they taped this and they were talking because it's an empty arena you would hear not only them through your tv set but you would hear echoing throughout the building in the background and it would have been horrible but it was hilarious because some of the matches tonight they weren't even in the building. So there were a couple of points where the announcer's table is there, and then the announcer's table is gone. Saxton and Phillips is there, and Saxton and Phillips is gone. It was pretty pretty funny. I mean, under the circumstances, I get it. But if you really want a good laugh, you go back and watch that tonight on Raw, and it's pretty hilarious, especially when you're looking at their faces. High-definition TV, you don't see their lips moving, but you hear the commentary. It's pretty funny. What, I mean, did did you notice like the table missing at times and then coming back? And I, I saw because a couple of people were posting about it. I mean, I thought you know. Then I noticed it. Then I saw the thing where they weren't talking, and you hear the talking, the enthusiasm, and they're just looking like they're taking notes at the desk. It was pretty. So again, fun, yeah, it was kind of funny. I mean, obviously, you know, the conditions that they're under, you give them a little bit of a break. Yeah. But you know. I mean, I I don't know how many matches they recorded but they had to have recorded quite a few because there was no reason to burn through 10 matches tonight. The Seth Rollins match, I mean, selling what happened yesterday, 
There was not even a reason for him to have a match tonight. Caillo? Nothing against Caillo. I'm I'm a fan of his, but was even necessary tonight? You yeah. know, Dirty Sanchez and, you know, Cedric Alexander, they team up, you know, Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch, you know, they got jobbed out. I mean, I don't know. It just felt like there was... I understand it's the night after WrestleMania, but, man, you know, you throw 10 matches out there, and the most shocking thing is Big Show fighting in the main event. What'd you think uh, of that? I, I, well, I'm getting to that, I mean, I I didn't know anything about, you know, who was going to be on or whatever, and even if the results were leaked out there, I didn't notice it. But uh, I thought for a... a brief second that Big Show was going to win the title. So I was kind of surprised. Again, when I heard his music, I'm like, oh, God. And he turned again, by the way, because wasn't he a baby face? He's a heel again, isn't he? I don't think he turned. I well, think he it jumped, was just... He jumped the baby face champion. Yeah, that make but that's just, you know, he's he's fighting for the title. I mean, he was just, you know, trying to push Drew McIntyre. I mean... They're not turning him heel in the in the cusp of this debut of this TV show where he's a lovable father and all that stuff. By the way, I'm looking forward to that show. When is that on, by the way? TV it's this show? week, I think. It's this week. You is know, it, is it, it a, net, a Netflix show or is it a... Uh... Um, isn't it like a T... Not TBS, because that's AEW. Does anybody know stuff. what station that's on? The, it's uh, probably uh, it's, Netflix. I think it is Netflix. It's, it's uh franchise is saying uh, it started today. It's on Netflix. All right, I'm going to check it out. Okay. You know what it gives me flashbacks of? Mem what? what was uh, that that wrestler show? In Learning the, the Ropes? Burning the Ropes. Burning the Lyle Ropes. Lyle Alzado. God rest hey. his soul. Yeah. I, I love that show. You had the Road yeah, Warriors that. make appearances, and it was... And, I always bring this up every couple of Dick years. Murdoch, Dick Murdoch was on that show. Dick Murdoch was on there. Jesus Christ, man. Who, this, I bring this up every couple of years. Even though I don't talk to him anymore, I always appreciate what he did for me. But what was Lyle Alzado's wrestling name on that show? Oh, I can't remember. What the hell was his name? Mass Maniac? The Mass Maniac. Yes. The wow, Mass Maniac. Right. Yeah, Mass Frank, Maniac. hope you're doing well. Hope the family is good. Mass um, maniac. Wow. By the way, one full podcast. They needed Caillo tonight. Let me explain why it was not necessary. Caillo was feuding with Garza big time. You're going to portray on Raw tonight that Caillo made his return and the motherfucker doesn't come out to try to get a little bit of revenge on Garza or, or Zelina Vega. That he just, you know, comes out on his own. It's that's pretty corny, in my opinion. You know, I like, you know, to my my attention span goes much further than a couple of weeks. I just personally felt that, you know, the roster is thin, but you could have had if they weren't gonna interact, you could have had Caillo make his return next week when Garza is not actually on Raw. I just think they should not have just acted like, you know, nothing ever happened because, yeah. and just think of the feud and think of the intensity of Caillo and Garza, you know, just going at it. Familia, remember familia, you know, familia, yeah. you're, he's there against each other. And, you know, Caillo just hangs out in the back and plays with his hair. Uh, I didn't like that. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I want to see the Big Show thing. I think tonight it was just Big Show being, like, passionate 
and be an intense adrenaline. I think at the end of the day, big show, you know, no heel turn. Definitely not. Yeah. So, okay. but anyway, before we um, get into the rest of Raw tonight, because look, again, everybody, last night we did almost a three-hour recap. Yeah. Spent a lot of time on all the matches. There is absolutely no reason for us to get into those matches again. We, we're going to add a little bit of what we talked about yesterday. So tonight's going to be pretty much, you know, just a raw recap. But before we go any further, the predictions contest from Patreon. I went through all the entries today, and I got to give congratulations to Brian Thompson. He won the predictions contest. He scored 14 points, just as Mark Ness and Sean DePasquale, but on, and, and a few others, but Brian came closest to the tiebreaker, and the tiebreaker match was predict the match time between Strowman and Goldberg. The actual match time was 2.10, and Brian cho uh, predicted 3.11. So he was the closest, so he won the tiebreaker. He gets the grand prize on the prize wall. Mark Ness... And Sean DePasquale, they get the runner-up prizes. I think it was like $25 or a shirt or something like that. Yeah, so it's nice. pretty cool. cool. And um, also want to give a shout-out to our latest associate producer. Um, and this is up your alley, Kev. Okay. Uh, they have a podcast on YouTube called Ghost Crusaders. And they, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a fairly new podcast. They're, you know, just starting to, you know, get a little bit of a buzz. But they do a lot of paranormal. They just did something on a haunted house. So everybody out there, if you're into like sci-fi and stuff like that, you got to go to YouTube, look up Ghost Crusaders. In a few moments when I put the ticker on the bottom, I'll post the link where you could actually go check it out. And I uh, just want to welcome them to uh, our Patreon family. So yeah, I just uh, added them on. Uh, I just followed them on Twitter. Yeah, uh, cool. welcome aboard, guys. Yeah, Coast Crusaders. I'll check out the show. Yeah. Now speaking of sci-fi, you know, yesterday I said that Cena and Wyatt was my favorite match of WrestleMania with AJ Styles and Undertaker a close second. I've had 24 hours to rethink this, and I've thought about it long and hard, and my mind has not changed. When I oh, watched right. it back. And some of the little Easter eggs that didn't even hit me in the beginning. Then, you know, you start analyzing it further as far as, you know, it was basically like, I, I said yesterday, like, this is your life, Cena meets Nightmare on Elm Street meets whatever else we said. But it really was like reevaluating a lot of things in Cena's career. You know, Cena, you know, that's why he mocked Hogan. That's why. But you watched it again. Um, I know a lot of our mutual uh, podcasters in the podcasting community did not like that match at all. Um, no. You watched it a second time. Uh, any different feelings on the match? Or it wasn't really a match, but, you know, any, yeah, wasn't any a, difference wasn't in opinion? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I get it a little bit more now, I guess, because I was so distressed, so much going on, and everyone hitting you up, what do you think? And you're trying to watch it, and everyone, your phone's going off, and your computer messages are coming in left and right. Um, because for the uh, uh, Boneyard match, I really just was glued to it. I didn't even, I totally ignored everything. For some reason, the Cena thing, I was a little distracted. 
Um, I thought I got it now, and I got it was all really Bray's world and the wacky world of Bray Wyatt. It probably couldn't have gone any other way, and Cena was a good sport, to, you know, acting silly and, 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 and stupid. Um, and, you know, it did what it was supposed to do. And, you know, John Cena basically, it's funny because people are like, I think John Cena really has like some sort of like, you know, thing against Bray Wyatt, like even saying he's Husky Harris in a mask. It's like, he doesn't, he put him over. What do you mean? He put, he came back to put yeah. the guy over. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the people do read into things. They read that they see things, but they don't read them. And I, I had so many people said that too. I don't, I really think legit John Cena doesn't like Bray Wyatt. I'm like, what makes you think that the guy came back to put him over? And that's exactly what he did. He put him over. It was all about Bray Wyatt. It wasn't about John Cena. It was about Bray Wyatt getting revenge and beating John, finally beating John Cena. And that's what it was. So I, I got it more now that it was more about Wyatt than it was about John Cena. That's what I didn't get, DT. I thought it was about Cena, but it really was about Bray Wyatt. It right. really was. But you see, this, yeah. is, this is two things that I'll add to what I said yesterday. Number one, um, the thing that is most amazing about it is the fact that they really didn't wrestle you know what i mean like so yeah. that's how creative it was that you can get past the actual moves in the ring and instead doing what they were doing you know that to me just shows how creative this was the second thing is is um I guess the best way I could I could put this is um I'm trying to think how how I could put this with Bray Wyatt. You know, we've had the Firefly Funhouse now for a very long time. These are fucking puppets talking. Right. They simulated Ramblin' Rabbit getting squashed and killed and made jam out of. This was all psychological and you know the that's what it was. So being in Bray Wyatt's world, you know, last night on the match, that is no different than these Firefly Funhouse segments that we have been watching week after week after week after week after week. Yeah. It was, it, it's just like, it was like a, it's a different world. It's like a, you know, like some people were saying, oh, this is too cartoonish. What the fuck was the Firefly Funhouse for the it goddamn puppets? Goddamn puppets. I mean, and it's been the top merchandise seller for a very long time, a majority of the time that it's been around. So I thought it was fabulous because it went long. And when you really look back on it, they really did not have to wrestle much at all. Just a couple of moves and the rest of it was just, that was a lot of work to put in. I mean, you think about that. I mean, and especially when you go back and you look at the nitro <coughs> set and the fist, you know, it's not like you have it in your in in your basement. Hey, you know, can you take that fist out of the basement and, you know, bring it to uh, the before? I'm sure a lot of that stuff was in Florida already, but still, I mean, this was a lot of work, not just the visual, but even going back with footage and, you know, Cena give props wearing the exact outfits from yesteryear and really, you know, Cena mocked a shitload of his career. He did. And so I, I thought it was wonderful. Um, yeah, it did, but but again, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, he it, it definitely at first I I did think it was about both, and I thought it was about Cena because he was coming back. It was a special thing for him. But but in the end, it was is really about Bray Wyatt, the guy who was going to continue to be here. 
and continue to do this character and be a top guy. And that's what it was about. Right. Now, um, you know, yesterday we had that conversation about um, Undertaker, that should he go out on top? I mean, I don't think he could go out any better than what he has. But we also said yesterday, and you look at actors like Stallone and Schwarzenegger and others, they're still doing superhero stuff going into their 70s, and it's fine. So the big question is, you know, should Undertaker, and, and I love the discussion that everybody is putting online about it. There is no right or wrong answer right now. But, you know, th this is something that I think could bring back Austin for a match, could bring back Sting for a match, could bring back some others. You know, just that we have to understand that, you know, I saw some people writing like, wow, too bad WWE couldn't have done this with Matt Hardy. And, you know, not for anything. I Anybody that listens Wednesday knows, you know, I, I have been really excited to see what AEW allows Matt Hardy to do. But if you think of Matt Hardy in WWE, takes two to tango. And, you know, are you going to do something like that with Matt Hardy and then who? The Randy Orton stuff? You know what I mean? So it's who do you put him against? You know, so the Boneyard, you know, the Graveyard, whatever they want to call it, that was perfect for Undertaker. And I know everybody, the fantasy match is Undertaker and Sting. But is that going to have that vibe? I mean, AJ Styles being the heel, I mean, he made that. You know, Undertaker was perfect. But oh, yeah. you put Sting in that place, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, there's got to, you got to, who do you root for to see get their ass kicked? You kind of like, you know what I mean? So when you start really thinking about this, this could open up some opportunities of some wrestlers who are retired that actually can come back and do something. They have to, the big challenge now is, what do you do in place of a, a graveyard match or a boneyard match if you can bring back? Because look, Austin does movies. If he mm -hmm. does movies, why can't he do what happened match. yesterday? Yesterday was a movie. Or uh, two days ago, that was a movie. Yeah, Austin should be able to do what he did. I could say one thing with Sting would take her in that dream match. I don't think Sting wants to fight the American badass version of uh, of Undertaker. He wants the the dead man. He yeah. wants the the phenom. He doesn't. That's not what he wants. So, um, but you're right. The the guys like Austin. This this actually opens the doors for some guys who eh, think they've had their time and don't really want to do it anymore. Uh, would you say it could open the door? And probably, I'm probably reaching here for a Hulk Hogan. Well, you know, look. Again, I'm not trying to compare myself, but we both had the same spinal stimulated surgery. Right? We both you had the same, the same wrestling background. No, but what I'm saying I'm is we both had the same spinal stimulated surgery. I still have mine implanted. I don't know if he has in, his implanted. Hogan had the same surgery as you? Yeah, yeah. He had the mm -hmm. spinal stimulator put in 
um, several years ago. Boston Scientific was the only brand that did it at the time. He had his put in right before I had mine put in. And at the time, I think there was only like 400 put in in the United States. I'm not saying that for as a rarity or anything. It's just that, you know, we we had the same surgery. And I still have mine. And, you know, that's the, probably the number one reason why I don't do any wrestling stuff anymore because I got a battery, you know, implanted, you know, right below my skin on my back. And, you know, not today, but another day, I'll actually show people the scar and everything. But I also have you know, leads attached to my spine. And when I have pain in my hip, I have a remote control. I'll show people maybe on Friday, I have a remote control, I hit a button, it starts sending electrical signals to my hip. It's like a TENS machine inside me. Hogan, if he still has that in him, he can't do any back bumps. And the thing with Hogan is, he's not on Iron Sheik you know, gimmick battle royal level, but Hogan oh, was never like a fast mover. Undertaker could fucking move. I mean, one thing, even though he's had bad matches the last couple of years, we've said this repeatedly, Undertaker on his feet going, you know, left to right, you know, side, front and back. He looks like a million dollars. When he yeah. lit, gets, goes off his feet, that's where he runs into problems. Hogan, I don't know where that would this is well this is why wwe personnel get paid the millions of dollars or the hundreds of thousands of dollars that they get and that's why we don't yeah. they're paid to do this i never in a million years ever thought i would see what i saw you know with uh this graveyard i mean we i think we all kind of envisioned a brawl in a graveyard but I don't think anybody ever envisioned it to be so well produced, yeah. almost on movie you know level. So, but again, Austin, if he does movies still, why can't he do that? If Hogan, you know, it, I'm, it's got to be the right environment with the right people. Um, and I'm not sure if Undertaker and Sting battling in a graveyard would actually mesh well. This was strange with AJ Styles and Undertaker. Because you look at those two, when it, when we first heard, remember when we first heard the rumor? Yeah, that, I, I, I I totally dumbed it down because I'm like, yeah. who's, who said that? Yeah. I was like, you wouldn't even think of that matchup. What, what? And I, I would even, I was saying to myself, what's AJ's thing? Like to start phenom, phenomenal, that's kind of reaching. So I'm like, how are they going to even do this? And why would AJ start with the Undertaker? I was trying to figure out how they would do this. Yeah. And, and not only did they do it, it's come and gone, and it was my favorite thing, and I watched it again today for the fifth time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I loved it. Like uh, Someone actually said it's it's like the Thriller uh, music video now for wrestling. <laughs> like, you go back and watch it. Now, I remember when Thriller came out sure. in 84. Sure. In 84, they were showing it everywhere. Sure. Um, you know, it's like that. It's like that legendary, I think it's going to be. But was it a match? That's the other argument. Was it a match? Uh, was it just a segment or was it a match? Does it really matter though, DT? Yeah. yeah. By the way, I want to shout out Joe Punches. Um, yeah, right. look, I know a lot of people are excited to see Sting and Undertaker. Absolutely. Um, that's going to be a challenge. But look, I know, I'm curious to see what Cornette's going to say about these two matches. Oh, me too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, this is entertainment at the end of the day. And, um, you know, if we get it 
once in a blue moon, there is nothing wrong with getting that once in a blue moon. It's basically a WWE Films Presents, and instead of it airing on the network as a network special, we get it in the form of a match at WrestleMania. No issues with that whatsoever. I I, I would love to see it. Hey, uh, Mr. Krabs, I, I wouldn't mind having a Boneyard match with uh, myself and Joey924. I think that would be fun, you know? So, um yeah, no, it, it, yeah, it would be, you know, uh, I wouldn't want to do the Firefly thing, though, because uh, I wouldn't want to go retrospect with him. But I hope Joey's doing well. You know, props to you for remembering. But uh, um, shout out to OK Fabe. Love the Boneyard yeah. match as well. Nearly had a panic attack during the last segment of Raw. Yeah. you. That's why, look. I I have said before, I have no problem with Alvarez, no problem with Meltzer. I'm one of those rarity, rare people that likes Meltzer and Russo. But, you know, Alvarez today says, oh, the Boneyard's going to air in its entirety during Raw tonight. I, I honestly, as we talked about yesterday, I didn't in a million years think that that was going to happen. But you saw all of these websites reporting that Tyson Fury was going to come out tonight and challenge Drew McIntyre. I mean... But where did they get where they get that from? It just sounds like somebody made it up and just No, like, you know what I think it, it is? <clears throat> I just mm -hmm. think that because this coronavirus, look, we had some good news yesterday and today that some of the levels went down slightly. Trust me, we are so, you know, far away from it being <sighs> gone. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is if that trend continues a week from now, I guarantee you, you're going to see some areas in the United States where people are going back to work. And then, you know, look, we, we talk wrestling on here, but I'll just share this with everybody that may not follow this that closely. They're working on a te an antibody test right now, and it's already in testing. And if it works, the tests are successful, they're supposed to have tens of millions of this test available by May. May is only a couple of weeks away, and it could even be sooner. This yeah. is basically what the deal is. Venny, do you ever have chicken pox? Of course. I had it when I was 15. All right. I had chicken pox when I was in the Navy. You know, you remember the story. Um I Usually when you get something like chicken pox or something, you, you don't get it a second time. Your body becomes immune to it. And the thing is, is as I showed yesterday to everybody, my Lysol on the back, it actually says human coronavirus. Coronavirus is not something new. There's different forms of coronavirus. But what this antibody test is going to do is you prick your finger, almost like a diabetes test, and it immediately tells you if your body has created the antibody to fight coronavirus, just mm -hmm. like chicken pox or measles. I mean, there's a way that they can tell if you had chicken pox in the past. They check and you have the antibody in you that says that, you know, it will. F so the bottom line is this test comes out. There are tons of us that likely have had this virus and didn't even know it. Because it's wow. such a mild case. You might add a little diarrhea. If anybody remembers the night of the AEW pay-per-view, 
you know, now people are freaking me out because I had the end. I, I was, I mean, I'm honest on this show. I ended the pay-per-view recap 10 minutes early because I had to take a dump. I could, I, I don't ever have that happen. Now people are like, you know, you think maybe you had, maybe you had a little case of that virus, but I have no idea. But when this test comes out, if it shows that you have the antibody to fight this, you go back to work. Because it's just like chicken pox for the most part that chances are you will not be able to catch it again. So you're immune D- to it. So DT, I was thinking of DT, not to cut you off, but that's actually interesting. I was thinking about that. Why could they come up with something where you're tested that you can't get it or you're, you could fight it so that you could be, you know, like, right, go back to the workforce, other people, like kind of separate separate the people, the haves and the haves nots when it, in, the, in the way of the virus, not in the way of yeah, look fiscally. If you, if this test is available, and and an antibody test is not expensive, it's very, very cheap. Um, And if it's that much available, what they can technically do is, WWE could send their wrestlers to the doctor to get the test. I don't know if you could send it to, I think a doctor has to administer it, but the wrestlers and, you know, female and male can take this test and if it shows that they have the antibody that and everybody shows up that has the antibody you know if even if you test negative for coronavirus everybody in that building has taken a test number 1 if they have the virus and number 2 if they're immune to it so if everybody's taken a test and you know one way or the other what the situation is people will be able to perform again the problem is we have to get this virus down more, and yeah. I'm very curious to see what happens a couple of weeks from now. Tyson Fury, I have no idea if this is legit, but my feeling on it is a lot of wrestlers do not want to perform right now. They are very uncomfortable. There are some wrestlers, you know, especially the younger guys who, you know, are more hungry, let's be honest, that may not have a wife or an extended family that don't mind being on the road, you know, for two, three, four weeks at a time and think, hell, let me stay in the fucking hotel room. Let me not be around anybody. And I get an opportunity now that I may not have received because other people are higher on the food chain than me in pro wrestling. I'm not going to name anybody specifically in pro wrestling, but some of these people right now, I mean, I, again, I don't condone them wrestling, you know, when everybody else is forced to stay at home. But like I said, don't be surprised if WWE goes state jumping and goes to like South Dakota or one of these other states and, you know, runs a couple of matches there. I don't know, but Tyson Fury might be one of these few people right now that is available that, you know, they gave him an offer, especially in this time. You know, I just don't know how much Tyson Fury can do. I mean, him and Cain Velasquez in Saudi Arabia, he was the lesser of the two as far as, you know, tolerant. I mean, he was better but I don't know what Cain Velasquez could do against Drew McIntyre or anybody. I, I don't know if I want to see that. I don't want to see that. I can tell you, you know? Right now. I don't know. Um, but this is the time for opportunity. Absolutely. For some people, 
some women, you know, I feel bad for some women that they're sticking around and they're still getting jobbed out, you know? Yeah. So I agree. But um, speaking of opportunity, Mr. Krebs, who had the biggest missed opportunity, in your opinion, in WWE? Um, one of them I, I could tell you is a little insane for him to come up, pick this person, but he said, Sean O'Hare, Mr. Kennedy or RVD RVD. I know why he's saying that because he was the dual champion and then, you know, had the incident with Sabu in the car and, you know, and had to drop both titles for WWE. So that's actually not bad when you think about it, but of the three, who do you think really screwed up their opportunity the most? I don't think Sean screwed up his opportunity the most. I think what happened with Piper, yeah. you know, uh, with the HBO thing, they had nothing for Sean, and uh, I, it didn't make sense. The Devil's Advocate was a wonderful gimmick. He did awesome. it great. Uh, he had such a great look, 6'4", 275. Good-looking dude, had a great promo. I, I don't know how that goes wrong, DT. You're not uh, telling me uh, anything that I don't already know. You're right. I, exactly. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Uh, so I don't know how they screwed that up. Now, Mr. Kennedy screwed up. Uh, he hurt Randy Orton. There was a thing in the back with him and Randy. Randy's a, a top guy. You can't get into something like that with him. Uh, and he, paid, Jim Ross uh, uh, and Conrad did a, a special on Mr. Kennedy the other day. Guys, should check it out. And Jim Ross uh, said uh, Kennedy did a lot of wrong things. That you, if there's a, a playbook of what not to do yeah. in the back and things to not do, he did it. And he and and his own fault that he's not a bigger star or wasn't a bigger star. So go check out what Jim, Jim Ross has to say. Yeah, uh, Jim tells it like it is. So I'm going to say Sean was a victim. Kennedy caused himself. Rob smoked weed, and they didn't like that and screwed that up. So I would say, uh, like uh, again, the, the three situations DT are not the same. Yeah, I. You know what? Of the three. I will, believe it or not, I'll go with RVD. When I first saw that, I thought it was, you know, what a bad choice. But the more I think about it, because when I think back to when RVD, you know, had the one-night stand match with Cena, which is still my top 10 favorite matches of all time. um, And the crowd made that, too. Just goes to show you now, imagine that match happening. Cena throws the shirt into the empty (laughs) arena and nobody throws it back. Uh, But when... I'll never forget when he had the fucking title and then we heard on the news that he got pulled over with Sabu, especially since I go back to watching ECW from 93. I'm like, oh, motherfucker, what did they find in this car? And um, he had to lose both belts. And I remember the whole thing with Paul Heyman. I think he was managing Big Show at the time, too. Now, T.T., if that happened today, would Van Dam be fired? Yeah, yeah. I think so. You know, see, the thing is, weed is more accepted in the United States compared to before, but because of the wellness program and because of the tragedies that have happened over the years, um, he, I, I'm pretty sure Sabu definitely would have been gone. I mean, just he would have been gone. But RVD... You know, the the big problem with him at the time was they put the belts on him. I mean, he very rare did you have someone who really got their popularity outside of WWE come in that really was never like the top main eventer. And then he gets both belts and then just smokes that opportunity away. God bless him, though, because he is still a Hall of Famer. 
he um you know has had an awesome fucking career he's still having fun i mean he had those issues with concussions mr kennedy nothing against him but i never viewed him as being that high on the food chain in wwe i still remember that match where they're all wearing like lakers jerseys and stuff and this motherfucker did that interview it was one of our old intros you ever take steroids nope nope been tested three times you ever take steroids nope yeah okay so he just never was that high on the food chain in, in wwe in my opinion and Sean O'Hare, like you said, you know, Piper doing that real sports interview, that that ruined Sean O'Hare's career. I mean, Sean O'Hare, obviously, he ruined himself, and unfortunately he's no longer with us because of it. Yeah. Um, he always had attitude issues, but, uh, yeah, I would say RVD. So, but, um, and I, you know what? I really, you know, so sad with RVD and Joey Ryan, you know, trying to start that cancel cult, a uh, can cancel culture stuff in uh, Impact Wrestling, especially right now. I mean, yeah, what is, what is I'm that? shocked that you don't have wrestlers trying to expand their characters a little bit, or you know, just across social media. You know what I mean? Because I think Joey Ryan, especially right now. He could be trolling people online and, you know, just really try. The problem is Impact Wrestling is not the focal point anymore, and I don't think they just want to invest that much time. If I was him right now, I'd be all over social media trolling people and forcing the cancer culture concept. This way, when they come back, that motherfucker of death threats against him and going in the building, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's so, nuts. <clears throat> Anyway, um, I want to shout out some of our new and returning patrons, Corey Kleber, uh, Dorian Arc 24, Lenny Beebe, Kevin Kuby, Christopher F., and Brent Stellander. I don't think he's related to Chris. Um, I also, uh, once again, check out Ghost Crusaders on YouTube. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Tomorrow you are doing K&T Chronicles, right? Yeah, which was at ten fifteen. Okay, mm-hmm. sounds good. Um, let's talk a little bit about Raw. And by the way, for everybody listening and on or watching right now, if you really are enjoying this, hit the like button and don't forget subscribe. Subscribe. Uh, I have a challenge to get ten thousand by June first. Originally, the challenge was ten thousand in a year, and uh, we're already over nine so definitely uh if you like it hit the like button hit the subscribe let's talk a little bit about raw so tonight on raw we had Liv morgan open up the show taking on oscar and i'm sorry dude i had a flashback to 1995 uh no you know what it might have been even 96 no you know what i think it was december of 95 when steve austin was in ECW for that very brief moment, and he did a couple of spoofs of Eric Bischoff and Monday NyQuil, and then he lost that match against Mikey Whipwreck, and then he lost the match with Mikey and Sandman, and 
Towards the end, he said that promo about being in WCW, we got nothing for you, baby. But he, but there was one thing that he said at that time, and he said, you know, so there I am floundering along. There's nothing going my way because mm-hmm. the politics in WCW kept the biggest potential superstar in wrestling on the goddamn ground. I'm sure a lot of people remember that. But the one thing that I always remembered from that promo is that he said, on one hand, they're paying him a bunch of money, and they told him, go out and give Bagwell a hell of a match. Go out there with an 18-year-old German kid. Give him seven good minutes. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry, man. Liv Morgan, I like her. Mm-hmm. I think she's on the right path. I still don't understand why WWE tried to, you know, they should give her the blue tongue back and everything. But um, when I saw Oscar taking on Liv Morgan... After Oscar lost to Alexa Bliss, and then Oscar loses the tag belts, my immediate thought was, okay, here is stunning Steve Austin, you know, giving an 18-year-old German kid, I don't know if they were talking about Alex Wright at the time, but seven good minutes, and it's like, as this match went along, I'm like, okay, Oscar is stunning Steve Austin, Liv Morgan is that 18-year-old German kid, Oscar is giving Liv Morgan seven good minutes, Please do not fucking have jo- Oscar job out. Right. Luckily, we didn't get that, but I don't know, man. I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Kyrie Sane. I don't know if she's done. There's rumors that she wants to go back to Japan. I don't know if she's even allowed to go back to Japan right now. But uh, um, yeah, I don't know. But I don't know if she is. That's a good question. Yeah, but what'd you think of? I mean, it was a decent match, but you know, I started to get that upset stomach that. Yeah, she lived more than just one yesterday at Mania. They're going to have her fucking beat Asuka. And I'm like, uh, it just it didn't sit well with me. It didn't happen, but I don't know. What would you think of that match? I thought it was okay. And I'll tell you one thing. Asuka's, Asuka seems to be having fun, whatever she's doing. Asuka seems to be having a ball, uh, dancing around and acting crazy and wacky. I mean, so far removed from what she was a year ago at this yeah. time. Uh, she's having a ball. I mean, if anybody who says this, you know, like I said, and I know what you're going to say, DT, when I say this, you know, this podcast is going, Oscar and Carrie behind the scenes can't wait to go back to Japan. Uh, they should be back in uh, such and such by six months. I'm like, I speculate. Well, you know what? Oscar's doing a good impersonation of someone who's enjoying her time in the WWE. She's a great actress because she looks like she's having a ball. And even in the empty thing, she's been a good trooper and a, and a sport. So I, I don't know. I don't know if she's that much of a phony, but she looks, again, she looks like she's having a great time. Scarlett versus her, you, you know what the results were going to be. Scarlett gave her a better match than Scarlet. I thought she'd give Live. her. So, oh, my God, Scarlett. <laughs> and, I, and I did not do that on purpose, by the way. Sorry, I know, Chris. I know. Um, uh, so Liv Morgan, excuse me, uh, gave her a better match than I thought she would. Um, but Asuka, all the way, you said it last night, DT, uh, if you're talking about the top two, uh, clearly best women in the company. It's uh, Charlotte number one and Oscar number two, and I agree with you on that. Yeah. Uh, Oscar's one of the best, and she's having a ball being the whack, call a wacky Oscar or whatever. She's having a ball, and she looks like she's having fun. So uh, I don't know what anybody's talking about, that she's on the way out. I think she's on the way up. And uh, Liv is, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, Liv is okay. I like the better with a little punk rock Harley Quinn thing that she was doing. I don't, you know, to me, she just looks like every other blonde. Uh, nothing that's going to distinguish her from anybody else. Um, 
again, it's all, you know, Oscar's one of the, the top women. She ain't going to lose to uh, Liv Morgan. I agree. I agree. You know, a little tidbit that I should share with everybody before I forget. Um, for those that agreed with us yesterday that Edge and Randy Orton went a little bit too long, think yeah. of this little tidbit that a lot of people figured out today and you know i i did the research just to confirm make sure that it was not wrong edge versus randy orton at wrestlemania is the second longest wrestlemania match in history really the longest match was the iron man match from wrestlemania 12 i think that was Shawn michaels bret hart the second Longest match previously was the main event of WrestleMania 2000, Triple H versus The Rock versus Big Show versus Foley. I think that was the WrestleMania where Foley retired and Linda came out like a short time later and announced that he was going to be in the match at Mania. But that previously, that match was, I have the time right here, that was 36 minutes, 28 seconds. So the edge Randy Orton match from Mania uh, is now number two. It beat the WrestleMania 2000 match by only seven seconds. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes. So, and think about this. We brought this up yesterday. That match was edited. Lord knows how much fucking longer that match went because they trimmed some of that stuff down. I... I don't know if they intentionally tried to make it the second most, the lo- second longest match of all time. Right. I don't know. But it felt like they deliberately made this go an extreme long time. And, you know, tonight they showed the, re- the replay. And once again, they showed that little uh, choke with the equipment. And, you know, there were some articles today saying that some people in WWE were very upset of that gym equipment spot, I think that's just people, you know, making shit up. But I, st- I think, I think it is too. Why? By the way, WWE had nothing to do with the Benoit documentary that came out, so there wasn't anything that correlated with that. Or, and it, WWE, WWE doesn't want to even acknowledge that. I don't think it had any Benoit connotations. No, at no, all. no, none at all. But I think. I would not be surprised still if WWE edits that out ultimately. Because oh, they probably will. Yeah, they probably will be. Because just for the, I have to field those kind of questions. Yeah, because unnecessarily. Because people need to understand tonight's Raw. You know, you don't have anybody working tonight for the WWE in the production booth. This was all taped. This no. montage that you saw tonight was done over a week ago. Once they started getting heat online yesterday with people com- bringing up, getting saying that they got the Benoit vibes, and when I said what I said on last night's recap, people thought that I was just reaching. Just go on Twitter. Type in Orton, Edge, Benoit. Just type in those three words, everybody, and look at what comes back. There are hundreds and hundreds of posts from last night talking about that. So keep in mind that the WrestleMania match... And the montage, the recap that we saw tonight on Raw, were all produced over a week ago. So there was no way for WWE last minute to get somebody in the production truck earlier today and trim out, clip out those five seconds of video. So, you know, 
I'm very curious. Me, I wasn't offended by it. And me, I have no problem if it stays in. But I'm just thinking WWE standards would not be surprised if that is edited out down the line. Probably. You know? But um, speaking of Edge, Randy Orton, which match do you think was a bigger disappointment? Um, The match from this past Mania or Orton Triple H from 25? Wasn't that the one where Um, Orton kissed Stephanie? When she was unconscious, that led to it? Uh, I don't know if I was, I mean, disappointed. I don't know. I mean, both probably could have been better. Uh, The Edge-Randy Orton match was just too long. I just, again, it was nice to get a tour of the performance center. But other than that, it was too long. Kev? Yeah, okay. I thought I lost you. You know, I think back then with Jericho, uh, Jericho, with uh, Orton and Triple H, I haven't seen that match in years. But one thing I remember from that match was I think Triple H, like, did a headlock almost immediately at the beginning of the match. And I'm like, the guy just fucking kissed your wife while she was unconscious. And the first thing you do is, like, a headlock. It was some wrestling move. I just, because I, we, I, Pretty sure we were doing a hotline at that time or the or no, we were doing the podcast because that was eleven years ago. But um yesterday was a little disappointing. I mean, it told the nice story and I enjoyed it. And you know, and I guess we can mix it up a little bit before we get into the rest of Raw. The Edge documentary is out on WWE twenty four. And basically it yeah. chronologic it it you know, look. I don't know if it's actually how they portrayed it at the beginning that they were just going to do an update of what Edges was up to and then it led to you know, him getting the second surgery and realizing that he had headaches that he didn't realize he had until they were gone and, you know, but... You know, because it kind of reminded me of Bret Hart wrestling with shadows. Like, oh, originally we're just going to follow Bret. And just so happens that it's the Montreal screw job. That's something just talk about hitting the lotto. But I watched the Edge documentary. It's fabulous. Yeah, it's really it, good. It, I mean, the, the tribute they gave to his mom was really nice. Judy Copeland. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you want to give a few words on what you thought of that documentary? Because I thought it was wonderful. Um, it only depicts the last year or so. Um, but I loved it. I thought it was great. I think every single person wa- watching this right now should go check it out. Not now. Wait until the show's over. Yeah, yeah exactly. Edge is one of my favorites. You know, always has been. Been fighting with my brother Draper since '97, and we saw Adam Copeland debut against Val Venus and Nassau Coliseum. We were there, and I said, "I like this kid." You know, Sexton Hardcastle. He was not Sexton Hardcastle, but it wasn't his name. But we knew him from the Independents, uh, and I just thought he had something. A year later, we see him coming out of the uh, rafters, uh, Edge coming down from the crowd, the Brood followed, and I followed his whole career. Always liked him. Was kind of surprised how far he actually went, and then you know, would learn in his documentary in Paul Heyman's uh, documentary that Paul Heyman was a real proponent for Edge and, and pushing him and, and giving him the opportunities he did on SmackDown. He believed in him and, you know, the Kurt Angle feud, all that stuff. Uh, so Edge went very, very far. I never thought he'd go that far in his career. And I always call him the Craig Biggio of wrestling. 
Uh, he really is. He's like a Ryan Sandberg or a Craig Biggio, just a, a great, great player. And you almost forget what a great player he was on the team. Um, and he carried uh, the company a lot when a lot of guys were down and out and there weren't that many stars. Uh, he was the top guy. Um, and I thought the documentary just, you know, major, he made him even more likable. I don't know how you come away from that. Even yeah. if you're on the fence about it, if you're on the fence about Edge, after you watch this, you'll really like him. Um, him and Beth are a great couple, by the way. You know, Edge had a lot of love life problems, as we know, DT, over the years. Yeah. Um, but he found the right woman for him. Beth is a wonderful wife for him. Two very cute kids who look just like him and Beth, by the way. Don't they, DT? Uh, and again, turned into a family guy and a real... And, uh, yeah, his mom, you know, he always knew a lot about Judy Copeland for years. He always propped her, and he was our only child. So he was very close to his mom. Very sad situation that, yeah. that happened. Beth's father died, and his mother died back-to-back, yeah. I think within a couple of weeks of each other. They portray that. They show uh, Edge uh, fighting through that psychologically. And uh, it's a real, it's a great story. It's a pretty long documentary, too. It's almost about an hour and a half. Yeah. And they show him training. And also, did you know? Did you know that Dash Wilder was a good friend of his? DP? I yeah, didn't know that. it was actually. Um, I don't remember the the website that wrote about it. They wrote about it a while back, but um, I didn't know it was that deep because you know they go back a, a little ways, and then you know he basically edge. You know, I guess helped Dash Wilder get get into the company. Yeah, helped him get into the company, and he was training with Edge to get back in the ring yeah. and. It was funny when Edge had an arrangement with Beth where he's like, Beth gets off the plane and then she rolls around me in the ring for an hour. That's the way we work. Yeah. And it was kind of funny. And she would literally do that, get back from the thing and work with him in the ring. And she said, I, I can only do so much with this six foot four, two thirty five pound guy. Yeah. So Dash Wilder took over and they show them training. I guess DT, did they own, I guess, a storage facility with a ring in it, I guess they were saying? Yeah, that's what uh, it looked like. Beth, yeah. That's what it looked yeah. like. Um, yeah, and uh, they were training. And, and again, it, it's just, it's a real story. I mean, they really get really deep into the, the, the personal aspect, the physical, the psychological, him going to the doctors. Uh, it's a very in-depth documentary. It's yeah. about as full documentary as you can get. And it was great to see uh, uh, one funny part, DT. I'm sure you caught this too. Where Edge is getting, you know, comes back from the Royal Rumble, he goes behind the curtain, and everyone's, oh, what a great job, and whatever. Edge goes, I go up to my best friend Christian. He goes, how was I? He goes, eh, you're right. And Christian goes, I had to be a dick. So it was just, it was really funny. And those two, what a what a friendship they have since they're ten years old. And did you see DT when he was opening up the box that he found at his mom's house that had all the drawings from him and uh, Jay? who's Christian's real name when they were 12, 13 years old, drawing Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan pictures. I mean, it's a real, it's an amazing story of two kids from such a small town uh, grow up to be two superstars in the same company. Um, again, if you're on the fence or not even that big of an Edge fan, you'll be one after you watch this, and you'll realize that he is a deserving Hall of Famer and an all-star player on this team and always has been and uh, deserves the accolades that he gets. And that ovation that he got is to be one of the biggest pops I've seen at a pay-per-view for a non-Austin rock CM Punk Hulk Hogan guy. Yeah. Uh, Edge, Edge got a pop of a top-tier guy, and I would never put Edge in the rock Austin Hogan category, but yeah. Edge is right underneath that with Kurt Angle. Would you say that's fair, DT? Edge is right underneath that on the second tier. Uh, with guys like Kurt Angle and guys like that. He's not the tippy-top, but he's right underneath it. He's right underneath. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. You know, definitely, I would say it on a little underneath it was, that. It was a great watch, though, right? Yeah, it was said, definitely a great, even if, great watch. Even if, even, if you're, even if you're not an Edge fan, you'll like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Two things. Shout out Anthony Diaz and um, oh, what's up, Anthony? Mr. <laughs> I used to manage. I used to manage Anthony. Oh, okay, all right. No, Jamie, Anthony. I used to manage Anthony's band. Okay, cool. And mm -hmm. um, two things. Um, during the Edge, you know, documentary, they were uh, there was a mention that he got an offer from another promotion. Now, if anybody goes back to that time period, you know, we actually addressed it. But what we, how we addressed it was we said that there was pretty much no way that he was considering AEW. Um, now, I checked the timeline. I had to go back because, you know, I, I thought even at the time, too, I said, you know, there's always a possibility that, you know, he, Maybe it's Impact Wrestling too, but Edge and Beth Phoenix live in North Carolina now, and Impact Wrestling is pretty much Canadian promotion for an extended period of time. And when AEW was first starting up, they actually were sending feelers out to you know everybody, and which makes total sense. But the thing is, is that at the time, people will remember this. A lot of websites were, you know, making all this goofy stuff that, oh, uh, Edge is seriously considering he's, he's, um, what was, what they saying that he was uh, using AEW to get a bigger contract with WWE, just like Randy yeah. Orton was doing that. And the, and the Usos are intentionally getting pulled over for DWI to get out of their contract to go to AEW. I, I came, what came across to me yesterday was that when I saw it was that when Edge got, you know, there was interest from AEW to see if Edge can still go. At that time, Edge still did not know if he can wrestle or not. Once he realized from Dr. Maroon that he can, you know, try to make a comeback, he went to Vince. And basically yep. it was Vince's decision. If Vince was not interested in bringing back Edge, then I could see Edge would have signed a deal with AEW. But it wasn't like these websites were claiming that Edge is using AEW just to get a bigger deal from WWE. Edge said point blank he owes everything to Vince. So if Vince wanted him back, he was going back to WWE. You know, using the reports of him using AEW for leverage was just ridiculous. It was yeah. ridiculous, but excellent documentary. Excellent. And, Very uh, good. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of AEW, Mr. Krebs, last week's Wednesday Night Dynamite that I did, I got into the Jericho Vanguard stuff in detail. So if you want to go check that out, it's pretty fucking hilarious. I loved it. And by the way, this Wednesday on AEW, Jericho's going to be on commentary with Tony Schiavone. And, um, oh, nice. Yeah, I I don't uh, I don't have all the details in front of me, but you know what I reported last Wednesday of where they were at the Nightmare Academy in Georgia that actually was true. So I know a lot of places, you know, they, they don't use our stuff even when we, we get you know information beforehand, which is cool. That means you know Donzel Army gets it, and you know we don't have to share it with anybody. But uh, um, do we, oh. You know, I saw that commercial tonight again. What do you think of these commercials with uh, Seamus and Zack Ryder and Charlotte and Flair? The Seamus one where he's burnt, you know, and he's with Flair and they eat the Snickers bar. What do you think of these Snickers commercials? I didn't like the one with Zack Ryder where he turns into Charlotte. 
I mean, I, I'm not, you know, it's corny, but you know, th- th- that's what it is now. Snickers. I think, you know, you know, we always look back at our first crush and everything like that. I think Zach Ryder is my first block. I think he's the first. Blue I thought you were going to say something. I thought you going to say something else and revealing. No, that. no, no. I think he's the first blue check mark that ever blocked me. Oh, I mean, I honestly, I signed up on Twitter about eleven years ago. I think yeah. he was the first person to ever block me, and I'm still blocked by by him to this day. Really? Yeah. I some people have unblocked me through the years, but there's a few people that still me have me on block. You know, for various reasons, which I don't think we should get into right now, no. Via. But uh, let's um, wrap up Raw a little bit so we can uh, try to get out of here at a little reasonable time. Um, mm-hmm. We had Street Profits defending the tag titles once again against uh, Austin Theory and Angel Garza. Match yeah. won 10 minutes, led to a DQ. This leads to Bianca Belair coming out once again. She now announces that she is on the Raw roster. So Bianca Belair is not NXT anymore. Nope. So she graduates. She's now with her husband. Mm-hmm. And um, originally we're supposed to get Bianca Belair versus Zelina Vega. That goes four minutes. That goes to a no contest. And then we get the six person into gender match that we talked about yesterday was going to happen. So overall, when you add up commercials and everything else, that actually took up about a, uh, a quarter of tonight's Raw. Well, not a quarter. I I would say a sixth or a seventh, which is actually quite a bit. It was about 30 minutes between the matches and the commercials. But, uh, you know, it, it was fun. But again, I just didn't want to see these guys um, four times in one week. Four fucking matches in one week. Well, I'm glad to see Montez Ford is uh, doesn't have a broken back. Yeah, yeah, that that's another thing. I mean, thank God, you know, he was okay from that spot. You know, that looked kind of scary, but um, you know, I I always think of Chris Hamrick when I see stuff like that. If anybody out there, Chris Hamrick used to do a spot where he would run the ropes and then. The other opponent would like sweep his legs underneath from him and he would slide out through the middle rope and just land ass first on the concrete. I had a broken hip, so I know how much it hurts to have a bad hip. I hope to God Chris Hamrick is not suffering hip pain right now, you know, because that anybody that never saw that, just do a YouTube search. Just Chris Hamrick, you'll find it. you'll see it. He's done it a ton of times in the past. So, Neff, um, if you're on Patreon or Twitter, PM me. I will send you that song that you're asking me for. I will do it either tonight or tomorrow morning, the latest. So, um, and uh, yeah, Anthony, I will de- will definitely bring this up now. You know, not trying to be a dick. Yeah, I was just joking last week, but the streak continues for Alistair Black, Kev. What, fighting uh, African-Americans? Yes. Jason Cade, (laughs) Lance Ruff twice, Bobby Lashley, and now Apollo Crews. 27 minutes. When I wrote on Twitter earlier and I said the only thing missing in this match was Teddy Long, you know, maybe earlier Teddy Long, you know, player, this is now a six-person tag player. No, I the reason why I said Teddy Long 
was because I always think of flashbacks of uh, what was that guy that he managed? Um, the dog. What the hell was his name? He the did the white boy challenge. The dog. Oh, man. Somebody. Uh, chat room. Bail me oh, out. Oh, 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 wait. Jazz's husband? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, what was his name? Jazz's husband. Rodney, Rodney Mack. Mack. Thank Rodney you. Mack. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for saving me. Rodney Mack. The white boy challenge. I mean, I look, we're just joking and having fun here. But how funny is it that Alistair's name is Alistair Black? And the last five opponents he's had are black. So it's just like, okay, I just need Teddy Long to come over here. And it's the, it's the you know, Rodney Mack had the white boy challenge. And do you remember who actually was the first person to win that challenge from Rodney Mack? And the rest was downhill. Uh, who was the first to win it? Uh, Anybody remember? It wasn't Crash Holly, right? Nope. I, I, I'll... Give shout out to whoever in the chat gets it first. Teddy Long, because I covered on the history show. Teddy Long had Rodney Mack, and they were doing the white bird. Okay, James Pasco got it. Did the white boy challenge, and I think Rodney Mack was like six and zero or something like that. Yeah. And then they had Goldberg come out. Oh, Goldberg beat him. Goldberg squashed Rodney Mack, won the white boy challenge, and the rest was history for Rodney Mack. That had to be 2003 or four. Then, yeah, right? around that. Yeah, yeah, right around that. But, yeah, so, you know, I just I just find it, you know, it's just coincidence, obviously. But, look, Apollo Crews, you know, hey, WWE had to get that last, the Royal Roster had to get the last draft pick that they were owed, so they brought Apollo Crews over. Apollo Crews, they had a great 25-plus minute match today. A lot of commercials mixed in. Talk yeah. about, you take away... Al's the Black and Cruz and the tag stuff from earlier, that was like almost maybe 40% of Raw. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it went 25 minutes. Um, Apollo Cruz is talented. I just... He's I, missing something. Yeah, I just... I'm left feeling that the same way I did when he was on SmackDown. I just... Why do you think they, they don't give him a stronger push. I think he's just missing. He's, he's, he's got a, you know, he's got a personality. He's likable. That doesn't mean he's got charisma. I mean, charisma and likability are two different things. Um, he's, he's just missing that, that, um, that, uh, it factor. Um, and again, I'm not sure if they're ever going to find it. He could be a good utility player, like a Dolph Ziggler could be here for a while. Uh, based on his wrestling skills and his overall conditioning and stuff like that. But I don't think he's ever going to go past lower mid-card. I don't even know if he'll ever get the upper mid-card. Uh, he'll give a good match and stuff. He'll be an, an enhancement guy. But I don't think he aspires to do that. He's still a young guy. He probably has yeah. better aspirations. Um, unless he resigns and likes the money, um, AEW, NWA, or whatever, I think he should go somewhere else and change up his gimmick and then come back almost like with Drew McIntyre that it can be done. Look at Drew McIntyre. So he, he go away for a while, change your gimmick, change your name, do something. And uh, we'll see you down the road. That's the way I feel about Paul Cruz. See, I, see, I'm an AEW fan and I always fantasize like some wrestlers from WWE going AEW and vice versa. I don't know how well Apollo Cruz would actually fit. 
I would almost feel like Apollo Crews might be better suited in Ring of Honor or MLW. Right. I just, I don't know if he would be a great fit in AEW. He's talented as fuck. You know, I mean, my God, they had Titus O'Neil making an appearance yesterday. Just why not reunite Titus worldwide? I mean, Titus was obviously, should have been in, in the Orlando area. So, yep. I don't know. Maybe they will end up doing that. But, uh, look, he showed tonight that he is one of the more talented guys there. I just don't understand why he can't click, you know, Titus Worldwide was fun to a certain extent, but you know he should he should not have this difficult of a time. Uh, has he ever gotten a title? I'm trying to remember if he's ever no, gotten a title. I, I can't I remember. Think, I, don't think, I don't think he's been a champion yet. Yeah. Was unless he was uh, was he a champion? Was he two? two I don't remember. It, it, um, Does anybody know if he was? I don't a think champion? he did anything I don't, in I don't, NXT. I don't, he might have had something in NXT. No, I can't. No, I don't think he was a champion. I don't recall, no, I don't recall him, not even 24-7. Yeah, Brian Long, not even 24-7 champion. And um, by the way, you know, Gronk, you know, now TMZ picked up on it. Sports Illustrated picked up on it, that he's now the 24-7 champion. Lord fucking knows what's going to happen with that belt now. So Chris says uh, he was tag champs. Was he? With who? Um... Who is he tag champs with? I don't remember him being a tag champion. Yeah, okay, NXT champion, yeah. That I kind of sort of remember, but I do not recall him having a, ta main, a tag team main roster. Yeah, he has no belts on the main roster. Yeah, I don't recall. I, If anybody really wants to go check it out, um, see if uh, Apollo Crews, if he ever had a WWE main... I, I mean, I was shocked that of Sami Zayn when Sami Zayn won the IC title. And then I started realizing like, holy shit, is this the fucking first belt they're giving him? Yeah. I mean, it just, especially, okay. James says he never, that Cruz never had the NXT title. Why does it feel like Cruz had a belt? I don't know. I, you know what I think oh, it is? You know what I think it is? We he's so good that you would have thought that he would have had some type of a title during his WWE run to his point. If I was him in storyline, turn him heel. That he's never getting opportunities, turn him heel. Let him feud I'm, with somebody for a belt. I'm so, looking at his bio. He never held any. Yeah, titles. never held the title. It's amazing. He's, never held any, he's, he's held no championship. Wow, that's amazing. That's and I don't think it's a black thing. You know, if anybody's going to try to go there, I just think. The right opportunity just never came for him, you know. And I, I think, again, what I said earlier, this might be if they're allowed to have more tapings. Because we don't, again, we don't know how many matches they got in the bag. I mean, no if you add up, because they didn't have to worry about commercial breaks. They didn't have to worry about a live crowd. You add up the total in-ring time today, it was about an hour's worth of wrestling. So yeah. if they did three or four hours worth of wrestling, two, three, four days in a row, you know, they might be able to get, you know, two months worth of footage. I don't know. But um, this might be the opportunity for Apollo Crews to try to capitalize on the fact that other people are staying at home right now. Look what, look what happened to Braun Strowman. <laughs> Tommy's saying, 
Uh, he was the Preston City wrestling champion, whatever the fuck oh, it is. Yeah. yeah, that's equivalent to me and Don Tony winning a bowling uh, championship in high school. Yeah. So I that uh, yeah that's he. Uh, bottom line, he hasn't won it. Yeah, that's kind of surprising. But yeah. uh, Alistair Black gets the win today. Um, next, we had Cedric Alexander and Ricochet. As we said earlier, they beat Danny Birch and Oni Larkin three fucking mm-hmm. minutes. You know, I've said on the Wednesday show that. Birch and Larkin don't really do all that much to me, but I didn't yeah. think that they were going to lose the way they did today. In fact, I even think only Larkin, I remember which one it was, actually wrote on social media today that he got destroyed or something on Raw. <laughs> like, he yeah. took a shot. So one of the two wrote something tonight on Twitter. I saw it right before we went live. But, uh, you know, if that was, was bad, next we had Seth Rollins beating another NXT guy who's trying to, you know, get a little bit of name recognition. And that is Denzel DeJournette. Jornette. Yeah. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Seth just, you know, beat him to a pulp in a minute, a little over yeah. a minute. It was so, yeah, after that I was starting to get like, okay, uh, you know. Yeah, then, it's I just, Nia, then I saw Nia Jax was coming up. I'm like, all right, I'll I'm back into it now because I haven't seen her in a year. So, and then I didn't know she was fighting Deanna Perazzo. Yeah. So, I mean, and that was quick work too. We said yesterday that they were gonna do exactly what we said they were gonna do. Still shots, recaps, but I tell you, maybe because of how they produced it, I'm just surprised that they didn't spend a little bit more time on the recaps and trim off two or three of these matches today. Because they, again, look, the announcer stuff in the background was funny that we were talking about earlier. But, you know, you understand it because what's going on right now. But, you know, some of the stuff tonight I could have done without. I mean, Seth Rollins, you know, he comes out selling that he was beat up yesterday, wins a one-minute squash and leaves. And I don't know, it just didn't feel like it did anything. I mean... Kevin Owens cutting the parking lot promo, which was fine. But I don't know. It just felt like they were just putting shit in there, filling it. Nia Jax beating Deanna Peraza. We talked about it earlier. I think we talked more longer about that match than the actual match. Only went a minute 30. Yeah, and then uh, it was Umberto versus, uh, what's his name, Brendan? Brendan Vink. Brendan Vink is a name that I'm hoping... A year or two from now, we really start knowing that name a little bit more. Brendan Vink, I think, has a little. He has something. Just got to, you know, get a little bit more experience, a little bit more, you know, seasoning. But, uh, you know, he's not going to be able to showcase that much right now. But, you know, he lost to Umberto in three minutes. What do you know about him, DT, that you say that? Well, we saw him, you know, the last two, three weeks, and uh, I saw some of his work on YouTube, mm. and he actually, you know, he's got a... See, the problem with some of these guys, they had the tag team. I'm trying to remember who the tag team was. They had a tag team that was on TV two weeks ago, and they really didn't show all that much. They were on SmackDown, and then they were on Raw, and I think Brandon Vink might have even been in that match as well. And oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they were, they were in both of those matches. In fact, I even think they might have appeared on NXT as well. 
And, you know, I did some searching on YouTube, just see a little bit more. And, and you know, he's got a little bit. Just just like... Is, uh, is it Vic? Brand, Brendan Vic? Uh, like what, Eddie Vic? The, who we were talking about today? No, no. What's his, what's his, his exact Vink. last name? Vink. Oh, how do you spell that? V-I-N-K. Okay. V-I-N-K. Vink. But, uh, you know, WWE's got a couple of uh, uh, guys that... Um, you know, like even like Austin Theory. I mean, Austin Theory, if I remember correctly, he was the Evolve Heavyweight Champion, and he's got yes. some talent. You know, I just think he's being rushed a little bit because the lack of wrestlers that are available right now. I think that's the only reason why Apollo Cruz is on Raw, yeah. because they just look at the number of people on SmackDown who are show who showed up. And the number of people who showed up, and they're like, "Oh, we're a little uh, unbalanced over here." So we'll just say a draft pick. So, not related to Katie Vink. That's Katie Vick, Mister Vink. Oh, but um, he's an Australian guy. Yeah, uh, Vink. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so. But um, then we get to Drew. Yeah, then we had Drew Mac. Well, we had the Charlotte promo with Charlotte yeah, Caruso. Charlotte you know, the one thing that they did say early on today is that Charlotte oh I, I actually it wasn't even on TV it was an interview somebody interviewed Charlotte online newspaper I don't think the interview is out yet but the person said that Charlotte said that she is going to defend this title across all three brands Raw, Smackdown, and NXT which honestly makes no sense whatsoever because why would an NXT title be defended on SmackDown? I understand they may have to do that because the lack of women that are were available right now, but that right. makes no sense whatsoever. It's not a 24-7 title. It's not the women's tag titles. It is a title for a particular brand. So I don't know if that's going to happen, but you know, I'm curious to see who wins the women's ladder match to become the number one contender to take on Charlotte. So, yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But then Drew McIntyre. Um, we opened up with it. You know, I, Tom Phillips did get something wrong earlier, or it was a Byron Saxton. I could, if I remember, one of them said tonight, because the match with McIntyre against Big Show was supposedly took place last night after he beat Lesnar for the belt. Right. That's how they were portraying it. And one of them said tonight, like, I, no one has ever won the title and then had to defend it the same night at a WrestleMania. And I was thinking to myself, wasn't the Yokozuna, was that WrestleMania? Wasn't that the one with the, with the Tolga outfits? Didn't Yokozuna beat Brett and then Hogan beat Yoko? Yeah, wasn't that Russell, uh, That was what Jim Ross's first WrestleMania, was Yeah, that was, was that WrestleMania 9? 95, guys, was that 95? That... That sounds like nine. Yeah, WrestleMania nine. So I heard them say that tonight, and I'm like, wait a minute. I could have sworn I remember Yoko beating Brett, and then Hogan threw the salt, beat Yoko, and then we had the controversy years later that, oh, they did that because Hogan didn't want to face Brett. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah, 93, I'm sorry. I'm, my head is up. But 93, 1993. Yeah, 93. 9, so. 93, right. But, uh, you know, look. Big show, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some of this footage ends up on that fucking Netflix TV series. 
But, um, you know, Big Show makes an appearance, and he challenges Drew McIntyre. I'm looking at the clock. It's 10.55, and I'm like, okay, this match will go about five minutes. And uh, as it got closer, you know, because of the net saying that Tyson Fury was going to challenge McIntyre, I'm saying to myself, okay, Tyson Fury better fucking run to the ring because we're running out of time, and they weren't going overtime. So... uh, Next thing you know, you know, we see some finishers and no Tyson Fury. And I'm like, okay, there ain't no fucking way that Drew McIntyre did all those shout outs online, had all these fans do this and then just have Big Show win the belt the next day. So, but Drew McIntyre does get the win and we go off the air with Drew McIntyre as champion. Yeah. And Big Show looks older than Undertaker actually. And he's probably 10 years younger. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah, God bless just, Big Show. Yeah, you know, I mean, no, I like. I mean, I'm not trying to make fun of him, but it just even the way he was standing there, he looks awkward, and he just he doesn't even look that intimidating. Drew, Drew is just a fucking like, you know, he's he's like a workhorse. He, you know, you're kind of looking at the, you know the past and the future there when you're looking at Drew and Big yeah, Show. Yeah, this, you kind of suspend disbelief that Drew is afraid of this guy because Big Show just doesn't. I you know. I look at him now. He's Shell of his former self. He's there to do what he's got to do. He makes a sporadic appearance. He's an attraction at this point. Was he 48 years old? Uh, but, you know, like I said, Drew, you're looking at this, like, uh, Adonis-looking guy, and you're looking at this broken-down giant. I'm like, eh, I'm not buying it. I would have bought it. You know, I barely bought it when he was trying to intimidate Brock Lesnar 15 years ago. But uh, Big Show looks like he's just in no condition. He, he doesn't move that well in the ring. I think he's as in a bad shape as Undertaker is. Really? I, I, Big Show still scares the shit out of me. If he fucking really? confronted me and said, you know, the Blasi, I, I remember when you said this, I'd be like, ah! you know, I'd be scared. <laughs> really? you, know, you know what? What I got out of that match tonight was this. Braun Strowman. You remember Big Show came back had a couple of matches with Braun Strowman, broke the ring and all that other stuff. Big Show, in this stage of his career, is trying to give some rubs here and there. Braun, uh, the Big Show tried to help give a little rub to Braun Strowman a couple of years ago, and I think Big Show now tried to give a little rub to Drew McIntyre. That Look, that body slam tonight, it's not Big Show weight from five years ago, but that still was fucking impressive, so... I have nothing but appreciation for Big Show, and I'm glad that he could still go once in a while. I still felt bad when the fans were chanting, please retire, several years ago. That was a little funny, though, you have to admit. It was funny, but at the same time, though, you know, when you're you're at the stage of his career that he was in, and towards the end, you know, you, you got fans that are basically just trying to, like, shove you out the door, kick you out the door. I think, character or not, you take that personally. And yeah. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, they ever do, like, a real in-depth special on Big Show, Big Show will bring that up. Maybe they've done it already, but Big Show will yeah, bring... Yeah, so he's brought, it up in, he's brought it up in, like, shoot well, interviews. Yeah, kind of in interviews, but I think... If they do like a 24 and really go a little deeper, I think that hurt him a lot more than people think. Well, so, right. But, um, you know, it did. Look, for under the circumstances, it was not a bad raw. Um, you know, again, I'm curious two weeks from now. Not next week, 
but the week after what they do. I want to see if they go to another state. Two weeks from now, it'll be very interesting because we'll be around the 21st of April. And again, you know, this virus thing is kicking everybody in the ass, but I'm telling you, there are going to be people that are going to start breaking this ordinance and they're going to go back to work and risk getting arrested over it. And there's going to be so many people that are going to go back to work saying, I, you know, I've been in, in, you know, quarantine or whatever. I'm not sick. I'm not around anybody. I need to fucking work. I'm not going to lose everything because of this. So I'm not saying that WWE will do that, but I think, you know, it's going to be, if they can get by three weeks with this, even if they have to replay a part of the WrestleMania to fill up an episode of Raw, I think they will end up doing that. So, but I'm just curious if we see more of Big Show in action after tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree with you, DT. I think, you know, people are being kind of good sports about it, but the problem is there's still like nine states that haven't locked down yet at all. And uh, that's why this thing will continue. It's dragging out. That's why you see frustrated, even celebrities, where I don't really get on board with anything any of these dumbass celebrities say. But then they're like, will you please stay home so we can refilm our movie? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of get what they're saying because it's kind of keeping me home too. I want to resume my job. But it seems like anybody from neighboring states or people who are traveling, uh, you know, they show clips of uh, different cities and, and states of not – abiding by it you know and i think that's what's going to prolong this i think they should have had a nationwide lockdown for like two to three weeks get everybody on lockdown start it now and then end it by may 1st see if it curtails anything because they're talking about the apex you know we're right in the heart of this dt obviously we're both new york city guys queens guys elmhurst hospital is 15 minutes from me and you from both sides of the queen's fence uh that's like uh the hot spot for for a lot of death and destruction um, so again, I, I hope that they do because I, I'm, I'm on my third week and I, I post some today. You might've saw a DT. I, I cracked this morning a little bit. I had a little bit of a anxiety thing going on out of the blue. Um, just because again, and I, if I hear one more time from somebody telling me, well, yeah, maybe June, maybe August, you know, Kev, maybe we won't work till November. You know, we might have to flush the whole year. I'm like, what? Like, I, I'm like, what is, you know, again, and I, I'm i just me. I can only imagine other people who yeah, have bigger just, jobs. That's why I don't pay attention fa- families. to Families. No, 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 I get it, DT. I'm just saying, but it can get to you. Yeah. And I think you're right. People are going to start breaking it and saying, listen, I'm not going to lose everything I yeah. have yeah. over this virus. I can get hit by a car tomorrow, too. I got the same fucking odds, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, again, this is, uh, I hope this gets more in control. I think it's way out of hand now. I hope we're at the apex of it as uh, our governor said we will be in the next week uh because if we're going in the we're in the bad zone we can only get better can it dt if they're saying we're at the apex yeah i think i think it put enough scare into people that it's gonna just get better i just i really and i'm not just trying to say that i mean i pay very close attention to everything i think it's gonna get a lot better i'm very and look if we get a week where AEW replays revolution or we get WWE that replays a good portion of I'm still convinced that not now, and I said it yesterday, it's not now, maybe a week or two from now, after the pay-per-view, there's no more pay-per-view buy rates for Mania, Bye. then they'll add the match in its entirety. But if they start filling up you know, some Raws with some old-school stuff, maybe a documentary, maybe some pay-per-view... 
it, it's better than nothing right now. It's better than nothing. And, uh, but it, you know, it is, it is better than nothing. And I'm seeing, I'm on the YouTube thing. I'm seeing a lot of the comments where, you know, a lot of these, our, our fr- friends and fans are smart. They're right. The media is whipping a lot of people up into a frenzy. They're saying, I'm not, listen, we're not denying. I'm not a, I'm not a virus denier. Um, but I also know that, uh, this it was handled like shit from the get go. And it's, you know, like I said, this is a wrestling show, but we talk about everything here and might as well, uh, just say this because obviously a lot of you guys are tuning in because you don't have to go to work tomorrow. You do DT, but a lot of people listening here, their, their jobs are curtailed. They're working at home or they're not working at all. And, uh, our wrestling was affected. We had a WrestleMania weekend that the coronavirus completely controlled the, the fate of that and the aspect of that. So I just hope it gets better for the sake of all of us. I mean, I think I'm going to literally break down and, and tear up when I hear, you know, green light, all systems go back to work, back to the arenas, buy your tickets, get, but I think we're mid to late summer on that DT. I think the, I hope to get back to work myself by June, but I'm thinking for big shows and maybe baseball, if it happens, we're looking at August. If that's a realistic estimation, I'm going to watch the, uh, I'm going to watch the big show TV show tonight. There's got to be some appearances from wrestlers tonight. There's got to be. So I, w- I wonder if they get the show like any retrospective big shows wrestling career. I, something tells me it's going to echo a lot of learning the ropes, that show that we were talking about earlier with Lyle Alzado. Obviously, that's outdated, but... You know. Yeah, but have they have they said that they're going to have appearances by wrestlers? Yeah, I think there are. Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be appearances from wrestlers. Absolutely. Uh, someone's saying uh, Rikishi and McFoley are supposed to be on. Okay, all right. Yeah, look, uh, it's something different, and you know, I'm going to go check it out. You know, look, Big Show's been wrestling now. It, it just, it's amazing because it's what 25 years. You know, because he started around ninety five, so he started he started exactly ninety five. Yeah, so it's twenty five years. I mean, he said four decades earlier when he was talking smack to McIntyre, but that's actually true. I mean, I was joking when I said it last year, but I was it, it, technically it's true. Since I've been doing the hotlines, this is my fourth decade doing this stuff. How crazy that's, uh, but you know, that's just playing on numbers. But if you think about it, it's actually true. So big show, he's wrestling 25 years, but he actually, this is his fourth decade in, you know, being in the ring. 90s, yeah, half, 2000s. Half, half, half of the 90s, all the 2000s, yeah. all the 2010s, and now starting this. When do you think his peak was? You was correct. You think his peak when he first came into WWE, or you think it was a little bit later on? Because I always felt it was more around the time where he was feuding with Kane and even, you know, doing a little work with Daniel Bryan early on. I mean, that was many years ago, but uh, when he came in as Paul White, you know, he was intimidating, but I don't know if he was you know, as strong. I, I would say like maybe three years after he debuted. He's, I agree with Brian Long. He said he peaked early in WCW. He did. He came out like a firestorm in 95, 96. And then he, he got beat by a few people. Nash beat him. A couple other people beat him. Then he started getting beat on literally when they yeah. started jumping him and beating him down. Yeah. Uh, that, and he was bitter about that. If you saw his video, his Austin interview, he was bitter about the way the NWO bitch slapped him around. He yeah. didn't think that benefited him at all. 
Um, I think he peaked, and then he, beat, you know, when he beat Lesnar the title, and Paul Heyman managed him, he had another career resurgence. That's when he cut his you hair. Know what? First time. When he was ECW you know? champion, I think he was probably peaking. Not because of ECW, yeah. but they put a lot of uh, a lot of push behind him at that time. Yeah, I would say, but but again, like 2000, when he beat Brock, that was so long ago. That was like 18 years ago at this point, you know. So he was. Uh, you know, thir- was he 30 when that happened? He's 48 yeah. now. Yeah. So, I mean, that just shows you how fucking fast time goes by. But uh, also speaking of, um, and just to plug this a little bit, it's a 14-minute preview, but I checked out The Undertaker's uh, documentary, which is filmed from 2017, the current, with the clip they showed that's on now. It's 14 minutes long. Uh, it's fun. Uh, you can see him interacting with Jim Cornette and Jimmy Hart in the hallway, just kind of, being silly, uh, like a real uh, candid moment there, and him telling Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns is standing next to him at the hotel, and they're checking in. He goes, "Are you going to practice kayfabe at all here? We're, we're fighting each other." And he goes, "Yeah, n- not really." And he was like, "Joker at Roman." He's standing next to Roman online. He goes, "Kayfabe," and uh, that's when him and Roman uh, went at it a few years ago at WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, and they and he talks about his injuries and real candid and Michelle. It's, it looks like a great series. It's said it's coming soon. I don't know if it has anybody know the air date for the actual, uh, series itself, but it was a preview that's on there. Now it's 14 minutes long and it's really good. You can see the undertaker. Like you've never seen him before. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'll check yeah. it out. I'm going to watch okay. some stuff tonight, watch some stuff tomorrow. I don't really have to do much tomorrow night, but, uh, I'll catch up on a few things, but, um, yeah, I agree. Crabs and everybody else missing a little bit of baseball, missing uh, yeah, seeing the Mets definitely. and the Yankees, and uh, oh, yeah, we'll get it back soon. Um, okay. I don't think Carlos Beltran would have been a good manager. No, no, I, I never, think things happen. Yeah. Things happen for a reason. Yeah, kind of, look, I he seems like a likable guy, and you know he did some decent work with the Mets, but I did not want him as a manager. I'm still bitter at the Mets. Never hired Wally Backman as a manager. Me too, man. My favorite, my favorite uh, player, believe it or not, of all time. Yeah, it's just it, on the Mets. Boggles me. By the way, if you, if anybody wants to see this, you probably enjoy this too on YouTube. Because I was watching some old school stuff. There's a guy on YouTube. If you just type in Mets highlights, 1983. Um, this was this was when Strawberry first came in. This was a year before Gooden came in. This was a year before Keith Hernandez, or maybe it was the summer of 83 when Hernandez came in, but right before Gary Carter. But it's just basically some guy that recorded like loads of stuff from the news and TV and highlights from games. It's like six hours long. It's on YouTube? He's got it from 83. He's got it 82. He's got 81. There's there's some pretty cool gems in there, so um, I'm just shocked that MLB hasn't taken it down. Because I used I to upload it. games. I, I got 7,000 baseball games here, and I started uploading games. This was when I first got YouTube many years ago. YouTube started flagging me. They're like, oh, MLB copyright. And I'm like, fuck, I can't even put this shit up, so I stopped. Shit. Well, I got to check it out. Do you yeah. know the title of it? Yeah, just ch- just write Mets highlights, nineteen eighty three, and you'll yeah. see a couple of different clips. But then you'll see one post that's like six hours long. That's the one. You'll see it. It highlights when Tom Seaver first came back. Some interviews I've never seen before. It's uh, and I'm telling you, there's some gems on YouTube right now that I think a lot of people don't even know exist. So, 
But Kev, I'll talk to you tomorrow for KNT Chronicles and yes. uh ten fifteen, right? Yep, ten fifteen. Want to give a special shout out to Patrick in North Carolina for he knows why. And anybody who hasn't signed up, get signed up for uh, Don Tony Patreon. You get Canty Chronicles, Breakfast Soup, Castle Chronicles, and tomorrow night we go ten fifteen on Discord chat. Sign up so you can join us. Sign up today. Sign up tomorrow, and we're gonna have a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds good. All right, peace everybody. All right, talk to you later. And by the way. He brought up Breakfast Soup. Mish and I will be back on Patreon this coming weekend for Breakfast Soup. Later on in the week, we'll send a thread to our VIPers to send in questions, comments for the show. So Breakfast Soup does return to Patreon this week. And uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Don't forget, this Wednesday, I will be right here on YouTube for Wednesday Night Dynamite and, and Friday I will be back on YouTube for the Don Tony show. It, uh, Wednesday will start 10.05 p.m. There's no reason to wait till 10.15 since everything's pre-recorded. They have everything managed to go off the air on time. So Wednesday, 10.05 on YouTube. Friday, 10.05 on YouTube right after SmackDown. And uh, we'll have a, a kick-ass show. So um, I tell you, man, I, I realize now, because the Don Tony show, like I did a couple of Fridays, and then I stopped two or three Fridays, and people were just like, come on, you got to do one Friday. A lot of other podcasters do not do a Friday show. And I had so many of you that were saying, you know, do Friday. We wanted Friday. So I, I did Friday like two or three weeks in a row. And the response has been incredible. I mean, I appreciate all your responses for all the shows, but Friday especially, like I always thought Friday would be the, the suckiest night to do it. Yeah, with coronavirus, a little different, but Friday seems to be the day that everybody really wants that. And it's cool because Friday we get to relax, lounge, talk about everything going on, no crazy research needed, and sometimes the best shows end up being the one with almost no preparation. Go figure, right? That's why even with Wednesday Night Dynamite, I have actually, I mean, we have to right now because of coronavirus, but I scaled back the level of research that I was doing for Wednesdays because I realized, I'm like, you know, look, I'm not trying to say this to sound like an asshole, but there's a reason why NXT only gets six, 700,000 viewers. There's a reason why AEW gets seven, eight, nine hundred thousand viewers. It's not as popular as WWE on Monday or Friday. At the end of the day, it's about a third of the viewers. So when you see a third of the viewers tuning into Wednesday Night Dynamite, it's like, okay, maybe I'm putting a little bit too much effort in this show since, you know, a lot of people don't tune in for that. So Friday will be a lot of fun. I mean, look, I'll always give you, you know, all uh, the news for all of the non-Raw and SmackDown stuff going on on Wednesdays. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think Charlotte will add a lot of viewers. I really don't. Um, it'll help. It'll definitely help. But right now, it's just the overall product. You have... Some guys on NXT, I've brought it up before, you know, you bring up um, Cameron Grimes, for example. Guy's talented. That guy's on TV. That is my opportunity to go take a leak, get something to drink, 
maybe set up the software for the show, test a couple of things. There, They have a lot of guys in NXT that just don't have that connection with the crowd. And you don't need a crowd in attendance right now to, to even have that. They just don't have the charisma to it, you know. And um, But I'm still looking forward to Wednesdays. Charlotte, um, I don't know who will win the ladder match. Yesterday I said I'd like to see Charlotte versus Io Shirai. I agree with a lot of people out there that whoever she faces right now, the chances of Charlotte losing this belt is slim to none. Charlotte may have been given the title right now for the simple reason of what's going on with this coronavirus. You need some name recognition on these shows. And uh, I would not be surprised if someone else from Raw or SmackDown appears in NXT. You know, they're all in the same building when they were filming this stuff. So you do some stupid storyline where this person comes in and does this and that, and there's one or two weeks of a couple of matches just to fill time. So, again, you know, remember the analogy I said yesterday about my dad, you know, eating MREs. And, you know, when you're in bad times or abnormal times, even think of somebody who's in jail. I, I, you know, I've never like had any jail stints, but some people listening, you may have been in jail for a stint or you may know someone and they get out of jail. And the first thing they want to do is either have like an ice cold beer or go to their favorite restaurant or just something edible or drinkable. And when you taste it, it tastes like the greatest fucking soda you ever had or the greatest beer or greatest this. Um, so right now we got to just enjoy whatever we have as far as wrestling, whether it's repeats or not. Make the best of it. It's not going to be good, you know, as good as other stuff. Um, now, WWE did hype money in the bank. Don't know if it's going to go down. Right now, WWE is trying to give the perception of business as usual. They're rolling the dice, hoping that they'll be able to do a show. And again, do not discount what I said last week and what I said this weekend. WWE could pop up in a different state where the rules are lax, and that's going to cause controversy. You know, what the fuck are you doing in this state? They're just going to that state because they, they can work. You know, you're going to see some people doing that. The, if this doesn't clear up quick enough, you're going to see some people traveling to the next state over to do work or something or whatever. You know, it's difficult because if you work for a company, you can't just go to another state and do the same work there. But as far as WWE, think about that. AEW. AEW went from Florida to Georgia. Now, if Georgia tightens things up, they may go from Georgia to, I don't know, North Carolina. I, I That's what can happen. And don't be surprised if it does. So, so let's see what happens with Money in a Bank because we don't even know who's going to compete. There are a lot of wrestlers right now that are very afraid that are staying home. And uh, me personally, I don't think Money in the Bank goes off as planned. Um, if they're allowed to record matches by that time, you know, it's probably going to be similar to what we got now. Um, make the best of it. I enjoy it. That's the, probably the best thing I could do. But, uh, you know, try to give some people a little, you know, just enjoy whatever it is. You know, it's better than nothing. That's how I look at it. 
although, you know, you know my views that they shouldn't be there at all right now. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for the controversy where some big-name wrestler gets diagnosed with coronavirus, and then you're going to see, like, this domino effect. Oh, my God, he wrestled this person. This person wrestled this person. This person has this valet and did valet, and this person's married here. And you just see all the dominoes falling at the same time. I'm fearing that happening. And, you know, and WWE... I don't know how much they could be hush-hush about something like that, especially with a publicly traded company. But look, we're under some very um, odd times right now. And let's just hope shit like that doesn't happen. So, But um, WrestleMania next year in California will go on as planned. They're ready. Did you see that little thing that they put online with uh, spoofing Back to the Future and it's Beck to the Future and the license plate says the man on it. They're going to start They're gonna start pushing WrestleMania in Hollywood so early this year to get people away from what happened this year, focus on next year. I'm telling you, you're going to see that over and over again. And that may not be a bad thing, so... All right, everybody, I'm out of here. I want to thank you, as always, for the support. Once again, before you leave, if you enjoyed this episode, hit the like button because, you know, that just gives this a little bit more exposure. I want to thank everybody who has subscribed because, yes, last night I did break 9,000 subscribers here. And what is this, 11 weeks, something like that? Not even three months because I started the middle of January. So, um, you know, if, if you like, subscribe. Doesn't cost anything. You know, this way you get alerts when shows are going to take place. And um, originally, my my goal was to get 10,000 subscribers in a year. You know, look, a lot of other podcasters out there, some people try to cause controversy. I'm not going to name any shows out there, but some people, you know, they got 30,000 subscribers, 50,000, 100,000 subscribers. They have years and years and years and years of time on YouTube. So I applaud that viewership that they have and that loyalty. And, you know, I hope that, you know, I earned everybody's loyalty as well. So it's not a competition. You know, I'm in competition with myself and just always trying to keep everybody's interest here. And, uh, you know, so, hey. We'll see what happens. My original goal was 10,000 subscribers in a year. We may get 10,000 subscribers in six months, maybe even five months, maybe even four months. We'll see. But it's been awesome so far. So happy that I did this. You know, I, I can't tell you how many people that were making me feel guilty about going video. You know, just after, and you've heard it's a broken record, after 22 years of doing audio only, I just, I needed a challenge. I needed to, you know, broaden myself. This connection with the video, having fun, seeing a different extension, and people finally seeing a live face behind the voice. I'm not as evil as a, of a person as people portrayed me to be for years and years and years. And, um, you know, I'm just enjoying it. And I thank all of you for tuning in as always and uh, spread the word. Let everybody know about it. 
And I always welcome everybody's feedback and suggestions. I see what everybody writes on YouTube. You could send me tweets, private messages, emails, dontony at dontony.com. You know, sometimes I get overloaded with messages, but I usually, you know, get back to people rather quickly. So always welcome your feedback. So I am out of here. Check out Wednesday for Wednesday Night Dynamite. And once again, everybody, much love. Talk to you all again Wednesday. Ciao. Son, oh my. It was fun to channel surf. It was kind of hard to do a little pocket pool after you hit the last channel button 50 times for two hours plus. Son, oh my. And his whole idea of overanalyzing, oh, he's an alcoholic and he misplaced the belt. And how could you have someone champion like that? Get the fuck out of here. Wednesday night. Don, oh my. You can have fun. You really are. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com. Um...